welcome to this episode of It's Not That Deep, where this week we'll be discussing why don't we prioritise our own needs. And talking about prioritising our own needs, it's lovely to be here at yours today. I've left mine because it's full of builders uh, and now Thameswater have started to dig up outside to lay new pipes. So it's noisy and dusty and I've arrived kind of anxious and stressed and so it's nice just to oh, take a moment to breathe and have prioritised my needs to be here rather than there. Yeah, I mean it's interesting isn't it, I just noticed that next door has started drilling or, or, or some kind of noise and I live on a much busier street than you which is why we, we often record these um, at yours. Um, but it can be okay, can't it, you know, because actually in this room right now it's quite peaceful and we're able to sit here and have this nice chat. Absolutely, an empty house as opposed to mine. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't happen very often when the teams aren't here. It's, it's uh, yeah, a bit of peace and quiet. The cat will start meowing at the door in a minute though, that, that, that's inevitable. Um, so I think it's really... I like to always kind of, why, you know, in the why questions, mm. look at what the origins of this stuff is. You know, how do we get to this point where you have many clients, I'm sure, me too, um, everyone says they're bottom of the pile. They don't put themselves first. They think it's selfish to do that. Yeah, so absolutely. what, what, what um, feeds that? What's been the origins of that? I guess, I guess because we are... Uh, social beings we need to live in communities and living in communities if everybody put themselves first then that's not very collaborative so we work collaboratively and and that's obviously a good thing however brains are quite lazy so what they do is they uh, categorize things so good bad wrong right that kind of thing so I think I think what we end up doing often is categorising, you know, it's, it's good to prioritise other people and it's bad to put ourselves first. And as a parent, mm. I'm guilty, I know, of kind of saying, you always think about yourself, you don't put anyone else first, all of that stuff. But knowing that actually, as babies, um, you, the baby feels like the centre of the universe because it doesn't know any different, its brain isn't developed, it screams, it gets fed, it screams, it gets washed or nappy changed. Uh, and it's quite shocking when kids get to about two or three and realise that like other people, you know, there's other children who also get prioritised or whatever. And there's a, that's a real developmental stage, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. And that, that, that um, theory of mind, you know, that the idea that other people have different opinions and, and have different knowledge um, uh, and are individuals in their own right. And you're right, that's, that comes in around sort of two or so. And that's also the point. I think parents get... Uh, we, you call them the terrible twos, right? Um, and Defiance. Absolutely. And that your child has learned that... They are a separate entity from you and they get to say no. Yeah. And, and how frustrating that is for, for parents. Oh, yeah. I mean, at six, my son literally said, I don't understand why you're the boss of me. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, you um, are telling me what to do and everything else. But I am a person, right? This is my six-year-old. I remember pausing for a moment in absolute horror, thinking, what do I say to this? And then said, whilst I pay the bills... <laughs> you're going to have to obey the rules of the house. That was the only thing I could come back with because I suddenly thought, oh gosh, he's right, you know. And, and I want him to be. But 
it didn't fit with my idea of kind of, you know, you need to do what I say so that I can be in control. Yeah, it's interesting is that I work with a lot of clients who have absolutely that conflicting view. On the one hand, they are happy to be raising children with their own minds and their own thoughts and and are, and are comfortable expressing them. On the other, there are times where they do need to be the grown-up, so they need, you know, bedtime and... A compliant uh, child is much easier at bedtime, yeah, right? absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and I think that there is always going to be that tension, right? Um, however, the, sometimes the adult is the person with more life experience and therefore... Um, I love it, how you said sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly. Um, <laughs> And, and therefore is, is the teacher, right? Yeah. So there is that sort of apprentice. Yeah. And, and that's it. And so when, so I think, the, although he expressed that, he kind of went along with it for a while more. And it wasn't till sort of teenage years where you really realise as a parent that this is it now. There is no come here now, I'm going to count to five, all of that stuff. That, you know, they just detune you and it's, it's all over and you have to find different strategies. But they're still very selfish, right? Um, and we've spoken, I think, in other, in other um, episodes about prefrontal cortex development, you know, this logical, rational brain, this bit of our brain that has consequence, the bit of our brain that does have more things like compassion and empathy for other people, which teenagers are often sorely lacking. Absolutely. Well, because the neurons are disconnecting mm. and reconnecting. So it is, we were talking about this the other day, actually, on a, on a walk. Um, it is a bit like having a very large two-year-old, mm. right? So, you know, you're, you're <laughs> kind of back to that, that state. And that is what their brains are doing. And they form new connections. Mm. And that's part of that that sort of growing away from the family unit yeah. as well and becoming uh, an adult in their own right. Yeah. But that's a process. Yes, uh, but it, going back to, and, and going back to what we're talking about, it makes me realise that we are, um, and when I say we, like, you know, parents, I'm sure I'm not alone. I'm, I, I know I'm not alone. Saying these things like, you need to consider other people in the household. You need to be thinking about this. You need to not put yourself first all the time. But actually what we're doing, yes, we're trying to form them as adults so that they are considerate, they aren't wholly selfish beings, but all of that in the ear for all those years must lead to adults that often think, well, I've been told not to put myself first. I've been told by parents that I'm supposed to consider other people. And as the empathy and the compassion and everything grows and we see... You know, and we are inherently kind as human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, they've proved that before kids can speak, they will help and and you know pick things up and, yeah. and whatever. Um, that all that stuff comes together to kind of form. I need to look after others before myself, and my own needs actually aren't important or as important. And more than that, I think that these things become what therapists call sedimented beliefs so there is no there is no thought process right so the brain is short-circuiting that so it's all happening automatically and 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 that's why there's all sorts of things that we do 
as a parent, there'll be things that you've done where you've thought, oh my goodness, I was never going to do that. My mother or my father did that. I was never going to do that, right? Well, it's not fair. Life's not fair. <laughs> those kind of comments. Exactly those you treat this things. place like a hotel. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and because they're sedimented beliefs, they're just things that you've absorbed and they become part of the prism through which you view the world. And I think that's also what, what is happening for adolescents yeah. because maybe we don't always present both sides right so there are times where they do need to take care of themselves and they do need to prioritize their needs right and 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 lots of parents do of course do say those things particularly around exam time you know there's exams happening at the moment and you know and and so there's lots of things about self-care as well as study and getting enough sleep and eating right and all of those mine is more can you actually do some work please (laughs) not oh you're working so hard darling you need to look after yourself no pull your finger out get off the playstation do some work but no i know there are a lot of kids that are actually putting themselves under huge Mm. amounts of pressure um it, I have to point out it's not actually proper exam year for my child um, but those children that are doing GCSEs right now or A-levels right now yeah there's huge amounts of mental health issues when well, I've got a number of clients whose children are going through GCSEs at the moment and, and A-levels and actually the ones doing A-levels this is the first time they're doing public examinations exactly. because of Covid yeah. so there's an added stress about they don't really know what this looks mm. like how it will be um, and so some, I mean, some are, you know, devil may care and some are much more um, erring on the opposite side and not taking care of themselves. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's all, there's, we're always trying to balance these things. But I think, I think you're right. I think all of that soup in which we grow up leaves us and particularly women, actually, because yeah. there is, we're socialised a lot that way as well that, th- that we put others first yeah sorry I think it, particularly when we were I'd I, I like to think that the, the gender sort of split is blurring a little bit more nowadays right in terms of you know if you think when we were kids there was still very much a kind of most mums stayed at home and did the caring and the you know the looking after um, and that it was the man's job to go and uh, you know earn the bread and butter or whatever. Um, I'd like to think that has been addressed a little more over the last forty or to an extent. To However, extent. most mothers are primary carers. Yeah. They're the person who takes time off if the child is sick. They're the ones whose job is deemed within the household to be more um, more flexible or or less important, so that they can do those things. That they are mostly responsible for pick up and drop off at schools, mm. and you know. So so yes, to an extent, and part of that is because. Of, of how how we feel as mums you know but but I don't know how much of that is 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 socialized yeah. you know and how much of it is who knows there I don't know there's any way of knowing really but I'm just thinking perhaps the, the the next generations coming through won't have it quite as much particularly the kind of boys are boisterous and let them boys be boys and girls need to be good and well behaved and the good girl syndrome right yeah let's hope so I'm I'm really hoping that you know girls are allowed to be as boisterous as boys and boys are expected to to comply and be good sometimes yeah you know yeah absolutely that would be that would be a very happy thought yeah, yeah. But, but I think for both of us, our, our clients, clients are, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly our what people of say. our sort They're, of age yeah. and our you know our 
out of ages yeah. um, and and have 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 grown up in the same way that that we have. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say next. That's it, as you can tell. So so yes, it's it's great to sort of reflect and look at how we might support the the generations coming through. But yes, it comes to the 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 issue at hand, which is you know from everyone in our generation, then probably the half generation below, and maybe even a whole generation below. Um, I still have this kind of sense of um, not prioritising our own needs. And you know what, when we talk about this a lot, people use self-care, well-being, taking care of, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I think there's this myth that of what it looks like, yeah. isn't there? Absolutely, yes. Yes, so it's not just about, you know, putting candles around the bath and climbing into nice scented water, although that's lovely. Yeah. But, and, and and those things I think of as more like kind of rewards, you know, um, because you've had a bad day or... Yeah, like a treat. Exactly, almost. a treat. What you and I are talking about is something much more systemic, I think, uh, which is about how do we how do we rearrange our worlds so that we are prioritising ourselves as well as others. And I think that's the thing, right, that people find, lots of my clients find it quite difficult to get hold of to start with, that I'm not saying, never mind about everyone else, what about you? What I'm actually saying is that care and compassion you have for others, can can we also extend that beam of compassion to include you can can we get you into that circle as well yeah it's not an either or thing is it no and it's often i find with clients of mine it's base needs that aren't being met you know physically ignoring signals of of stress and strain on the body when they just need a rest yeah um it could be you know not going to the loo for hours even though that if they need to, i mean it sounds it sounds silly but, but that's where it kind of starts, this ignoring of the signals that, that our bodies are, are giving us to take care of ourselves, you know, not drinking enough water. Um, yeah, I have so many clients who say, oh, I forget to eat. Right. I'm too busy looking after the children or the job or the whatever. I forget to eat. And, and I'm talking of basic needs, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do remember, obviously... Children are small, you never have a hot cup of tea and stuff like that, right? That just is par for the course. But it can't be sustained like that. No. And it just reinforces the fact that we're not as important. And actually, I'm sure, unwittingly, other people in the household, if people are behaving like that, their sense of where that person comes in the whole thing is, you know... Well, you're training the people around you to expect that level of care. And then when you're on your knees, you know, I had a client say to me just yesterday, you know, I, I can't fall apart because everybody's relying on me. Yeah. Like, well, hmm. so maybe maybe the choices here aren't fall apart or carry on as normal. Perhaps there's something in the middle there where, you know, can you step back and take some time and think about what you need in therapy, we've lots of um, sayings, um, but this one is is you know you 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 can't nourish from an empty cup, right? right? Um, you know, so so you need you need to be replenished as well. Uh, the other analogy is is the airline one, yeah, right? Exactly. So you have to put your Life own oxygen mask on, on first. first because if you're if you don't have those basic needs met, you can't help other people. 
Yeah, I mean, I work with um, a local charity of uh, carers. I, 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 they support um, people in a caring role. Or then, sorry, yeah, the, the, the charity supports people in a caring role. And we meet weekly uh, for some mindfulness practice and discussions exactly like this. And there's always that sense of, I, I, can't, I can't stop. Mm. It will fall apart without me. But of course, the consequence of that is at some point they will exactly. collapse, and then what? And that's exactly what I'm, you know, working with them. Then and burnout is a real thing. I mean, you read all these books like um, when the body says no, the the, the Gabor Mate one, and and stuff. You know, stress has an impact physically, mentally. We know, but physically, you know, people get ill, don't they? So Absolutely. not taking the uh, requisite amount of time to restore, to renourish themselves, as, as, you, as you mentioned. Uh, so it's not selfish. It's an absolute kind of base need. And, and changing that mindset is actually quite hard when you think it's selfish. It's really hard. And then people look at their, their days and their weeks and they well, I don't have time to do that. Mm. You know, what gives if, if I if I if I do that you know and it feels self-indulgent and you know but, but and the number of times I, I talk to clients just simply about breathing mm -hmm. you know um because as we've said before to learning to turn off the sympathetic nervous system and, and bring the parasympathetic nervous system on board and stop that cascade of hormones through the body we do that. We start that with 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 the breath by yeah. bringing our heart rate down. Yeah. And as you say, physiologically, those hormones, if if they're around the body for too long, cause physical problems as well as as well as mental health mm. problems. Yeah. And there's a number of things springing to mind when people say, "I don't have time," or "I don't know what to do," or whatever. That that can be really really simple. Um, I think firstly identifying things that you know will be nourishing. I said the cat would come, didn't I? Let's just let him in. Come on, Gizmo, you can join us. Hey, guys. <laughs> so, firstly, identifying those things that you know to be nourishing. You know, if you know that a, 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 a walk in nature or whatever, um, or sitting in the back garden, it could be just sitting on the back step if yeah. you're lucky enough to have an outdoor space, yeah. or the front step, you know something where you're getting fresh air you're finding that moment in the morning with your first cup of tea yeah. or whatever before anyone else is up yeah. just to just to, to see green and breathe and be yeah. yeah so identifying the things that are helpful you know and some of those things will be things that do take time you know it might be exercise walking swimming something um but other other time when we really feel time pressed i think it's, we have to be quite uh, honest with ourselves about what we're doing with our time and and whether that's helpful. So I was um, talk, chatting with um, someone I work with this morning um, about you know binging on some rubbish TV. Now rubbish TV, I think actually of all of the sort of avoidance strategies, is the least harmful really. Uh, same as social media because it doesn't impact physically in a way that eating or drugs or alcohol or whatever can. You know so. It's, it's one on the milder end of the spectrum, right? But um, if we are feeling so unnourished that giving up 15 minutes of TV time or social media time or could have a massive impact on our lives 
or even kind of going to bed 15 minutes earlier and, and you know spending some time just being and what I teach and I'm sure it's part of what you talk to clients about is about checking in with what's happening mm. right now yes absolutely you know, if yes. we did that regularly throughout the day bring attention to how the body feels right now you know maybe you've you're clenching your jaw or your hands or you know your shoulders we carry so much up there that just the noticing of it might enable us to ah, soften and you and just you know focusing on the breathing for a few moments checking how the mind feels it when the mind is busy from personal experience there's a sense of fizzy buzzy you know there's a visceral visceral's down here isn't it but there's a, a felt sense of what a busy mind feels like it yeah. shows up in the body so yeah. we can bring attention to that we can bring attention to like how we're actually feeling is there a kind of mood that's around or whatever and if we just spent a few moments several times because we want it to become a habit right throughout the day i say to people do it on waking do it before you go to bed and and hopefully remember to do it some point else in the day yeah this will let us say oh my gosh i'm really thirsty Oh my gosh! I need to stand up from my desk. I didn't even realise. Oh, I need the you know all these things. That is tending to our basic needs, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And as you say, it doesn't need to be that we've had to put sort of an hour aside for for something really major. These things are really powerful and can be done little and often through our days. You know, I talk to clients a lot about can they be present with this particular task, whatever. Never mind that their to-do list is, you know, as long as as long as their arm. Can they can they focus on each one individually and then notice when it's done, and breathe, mm-hmm. take a moment, and then move to the next one. And that's exactly what you're saying, right? And in those pauses between, you know, they might be able to find a sense of accomplishment, something well done, and also to think, I'm hungry. My body I need, needs to stretch. I need to stretch. Yeah, I need to stand up. I need to. I need to walk. Whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. it's simple things. Like I was talking um, to one of my clients this week about when we're stressed, we get very narrow. You know, mm-hmm. there might be a, a, another podcast episode about sort of left brain, right brain, and narrowing and things. But it feels sometimes like the sort of you know the walls of the world are coming in, and even the simple act of looking up looking at trees, looking out, opening our bodies up, you know, power posing. If anyone hasn't watched that TED Talk, I thoroughly recommend it. It can make a massive difference to how you're feeling if you change body position. I used to do that before I went into a lecture. Mm -hmm. I I did very few lectures, mostly small group teaching, but before I went into a lecture, I would stand outside the room in a power pose just to just to bring my heart rate down and to feel to feel really present. And that's what we do in the wings just before I go on stage of any performance. You'll see us all like that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, so. So key from this um, chat then really is firstly to try and not look at it as I need to put myself first, which means everyone else is going to go bottom of the pile, opening out to this kind of all of us being important and balance between all of that. Yes. Recognising when we aren't listening to what's really needed um, and looking, I suppose, at how we spend our time you know, what can give maybe yeah. that we think on the to-do list has to be done today, does it? You know, or could someone else even do it? 
are we being a bit of a martyr sometimes, you know, thinking it all rests with me. It's definitely another podcast in It is, isn't it? (laughs) Um, I know that's not always the case. Some people don't have the choice, but certainly, you know, sometimes we, you know, don't vocalise the fact we're feeling completely overwhelmed and in our inner world we're thinking it's it's not fair. It's, you know... Absolutely, and also, I think recognizing that 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 this that this is not going to take a huge amount of time and finding little moments through the day to to do that checking in and thinking what do i need right now yeah oh that's my favorite phrase isn't it what do i need right now oh thank you lovely to chat to you yeah great chat see you next time you've been listening to it's not that deep with adrienne kirk and lucy woods If you've enjoyed listening, then why not subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes.